Welcome to our podcast. We're a mother-daughter duo with a twist. I'm Taya, and I was adopted. And I'm Roz, her birth mom. I went on a search at the age of 36, and I found her. Listen in as we come together to unpack the layers of our journey. Hello, I founders. Welcome back to another episode where we discuss all things adoption and reunion, but with a twist. I'm Taya, and with me is my co-host and birth mom, Roz. Say hello to our listeners, Roz. Hi, everyone. You're going to love today. Yes, this podcast, um, we have taken you guys on a journey of our reunion some 30 plus years later. But today, you guys, we are stepping outside of the two of us and bringing in a third person to join us for the first time. We are so excited for our guest interview. She is an adoptive mom. To welcome her, I'm going to hand this introduction over to my co-host, Roz. Take it away, Roz. Thank you, Taya. I am so honored to introduce my friend. We met each other in Toastmasters, but we bonded because her daughter and my daughter are also in Toastmasters. So we recognized each other as a mother-daughter duo that has many things in common besides Toastmasters. So I would like to introduce someone who is in some Toastmaster clubs with me. She was also an area director overseeing five clubs, just like myself. I had four clubs. And we found that there's a lot of things we want to learn about Toastmasters, but so much about each other that had to come out. And we had lunch together and brought forth today's episode, actually, because we found that we have something in common with adoption. Please welcome our special guest, Deborah. Say hello, Deborah. Hello, everyone. It's so good to be here. And I'm so glad to find out that listening to their first podcast, that we had so much in common besides Toastmasters. And both of our daughters are in Toastmasters, as Roz said. So it is exciting to be here and being able to share as being an adopted mother. <laughs> yes, indeed. We are so pleased to have you with us today, Deborah. So, you know, the fact that you're partnering up with us like this, one of the things that I'm hoping is that we're going to go through just a span of, of learning about your story um, and, and finding the connections um, through this. And then I think providing our audience with even more of a perspective of just what reunion can look like, um, how it can have twists and turns, right? And, and I do want to bring attention to the fact that, you know, we notice we have the full triad here today, right? Yes. I am considered the adoptee, Roz is the birth mom, and Deborah is the adoptive mom. So I think we're going to have quite an interesting oh, yes. conversation today yes. as we touch yes, on each of those it. 
um, points of the triangle. Yeah. Well, yes. one thing that I thought about just as you guys were sharing in the introduction is that you guys um, met and had lunch and you found out that you had a commonality there, right? And that is adoption, right? So if, if it's possible, could each of you maybe just take a moment and go back to when you had that lunch together and you, you, you had that lunch, as I'm remembering, right, Deborah? Please correct me if I'm wrong. You had that lunch because you had listened to the first episode of our podcast. That is correct. Oh, okay. listening to that, it's like we do have a connection. Roz and I met at my charter club, and then she we connected again as area directors together, and then I've seen her. We, in turn, found out prior to the podcast that she knew my pastor. She knew she worked for a church that I used to be my old supervisor and her husband. So that connection, I go, oh, my, it's, we're just being connected. And this was prior to the podcast. So the connection just kept rolling and going further and further into and then when we found out we had the adoption connection, that even blessed my heart more. It's like we were meant to have met in 2016 for the first time. Oh, so wow. God has placed wow. us that. Yes. So I'm curious then, because you had heard and listened to the first episode of our podcast and saw that connection, and then the two of you had lunch together, if you could just go back a moment and to that time when you sat down what what were you feeling when you realized this this type of connection? Why don't you go first, Roz? Yes, I was shocked because I knew Deborah, but this was another layer of getting to know her. And I found that, wow, she is the other side of me. I am the birth mom. She's the adoptive mom. I need to hear her story. I heard Taya's mom's side of the story when we talked several times before she passed away. But now I can relive that. And I want to know more about how it feels to be an adoptive mom. So I think we met for three or four hours. It, yes. it, it, might it was like much, four, four it, or five hours. Yeah. <laughs> it grew into dinner time because it's like there was so much to talk about. And I was so blessed to hear her story and hear her share what was going on in her life. We were definitely connected at that point and bonded because God brought us together. Definitely. Wow. Yeah. What about you, Deborah? What do you remember that day? I remember wanting to share my processes on the other side because I'm going, I had not been on her side. I'd heard from the birth mom limited information of what she did and how the process was. But on my side, it was good to know and share with Roz what the processes would, would have been for her um, being, you know, for your adoptive mom, Taya. And so it's kind of like, these are my processes. Maybe we share the same processes. 
but just to share with her my level of what I knew and to share about the age that she was able to, that she gave you up for adoption. And that was the same on my side. And, you know, like, what are the circumstances? You know, what people do and what prompt them to give their child up for adoption. And it was the same. It wasn't the, the birth mother's choice in both cases. So we shared that, finding that out. It was just layers and layers of connection. And she provided me with information I didn't know as well. Mm, okay. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, you know, when one of the things I'm visualizing that was probably so unique when we look at the context of adoption, especially when we go back into the time frame in which I was adopted in 1970. And I know that you, you know, you're, you're going to share more detail, but I do have notes that show that your adoption was finalized with your son in 1983. So there's a bit of a gap there, mm -hmm. right? But it's still, I don't think openness in adoption really translated until, mm, I don't even know, honestly, and that's probably a question I should do some research on, but I don't think openness was as much in the 80s as, as well. But where my brain actually went is we've got an adoptive mom and a birth mom sitting down for lunch. There can be anxiety, all kind of emotions in play when you think about the position of an adoptive mom in raising a child and the position of a birth mom in relinquishment of her child, right? So there's so many different emotions that play out. And so the fact that you guys came together and had lunch and explored one another's um, emotions and feelings and thoughts and answered each other's questions in so many ways, I just think that's such a beautiful thing. Yes, yes it, it was. Is. We felt so blessed. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. We felt so blessed to have known each other for years prior. And then at that very moment, it's like as if God said, okay, these two women have a connection that will last a lifetime. And I truly believe that our friendship yes. is a lifetime of memories and connections. And thank you so much, Deborah, for being here on this podcast with us today. Thank you, Roz and Dea, for sharing that. And it just brought the connection of the mother-daughter or just, just us being mothers of, you know, it just brought us really close, well, a lot closer. So when I look at you now on Zoom, it's like, yes, we have that connection. It's, it's calming. And like you say, God just brought us together in that full circle and, when I sat down and had lunch with you and you and I shared the connection there, but I, we also shared how we met the first time and our other connections with the people mm -hmm. that we knew, because mm -hmm. we can be on Zoom and we can be on Toastmasters, know a lot of people, but there's never always a connection. And we had that connection. Yes, we do. Amen. Wow. Amen. Wow. Very cool. So, so to kind of like have us do a little bit of a, of a timeline, um, I think it would be helpful if you give us a little bit of context 
of, of you, and then we'll build it out, you know, okay. and explore in all these different areas. But I think maybe if you could set the stage first by just giving us a little bit of insight into your origin story. So who were the main players in your childhood growing up? What do you feel comfortable sharing there? My mother was a main player. My oldest sister, who was 18 years older than me, my brother's and sisters, I was next to the youngest. My mom gave birth to 11, but she raised eight of us because the others passed prior to my birth. But it was like, a, I looked up to them. I was the youngest. I was told I was spoiled. My younger brother and I were spoiled because we got everything. Like our dad passed when I was four, so I didn't really know him. It seems like I did, but it was like, no, you don't really remember, but I do. But I think the stories of what they told us about him. So I grew up in that, in the South, in the country. Everyone growing up and going to high school and getting out of our way. So my mom worked hard uh, doing domestic work, but we always, that's like, when she said something, you didn't ask her twice. She always pointed that out. Don't ask me twice because I'm, you know, I already gave you a no. So we knew that sternness, but I tried it. But it was like the closeness of having the older siblings and one younger brother. And it's kind of like, that's how I grew up, knowing that I wanted four kids originally. I said, whenever I get married, I want four. After marriage, like, <laughs> two's enough, two is good. I um, graduated from high school there. Thought about trying to go to trade school to be a cosmetologist, but I knew my brother wanted to be a pediatrician, and my mom would definitely try to make sure he got to college. She did. We did grow up with a. Um, my mom had a close friend. They planned to get married after he graduated from high school. I knew him since I was probably eight. He was like our dad. He had his own, he was a widower and he grew up like our dad, but they were planning to get married. He died before, after I graduated in a car accident. So that kind of stumbled that situation. It was very hard on my mom, but I was already moved from home and everything into Los Angeles, did not like it. She wanted me to come home. No, I'm not coming home. So I finally, I stayed with my sister, worked for them and maneuvered my way, staying here in California, I'm gonna make my way. And that's what I did. There's a lot in between there, but I stayed here. Uh, the next year, the following year, I met my husband. We dated for about four years. And um, we got married. We didn't want to have kids right away. So, you know, you challenge into that. Then when we decided that we wanted to, okay, let's try. And nothing happened. He and I talked about adoption and I was surprised. We said, well, we want a child. Let's go that route. We looked into it, Taya and Roz, and it was interesting. We went through the county. And um, 
we had to take classes. They gave us assignments to learn about each other. We had to answer questions about each other that we thought we knew, but we couldn't share the answers. And there were other people, other couples in the class as well. We went back and shared them within our group. And uh, it was it was very intense. It was, uh, he took off work and I was able to take vacation time. So we did it voluntarily, not like, oh, you want this and I want, and I don't want it. It was a shared combination of what we wanted to do. Wow, wow. There's so mm. much there. I love how you gave us so much. Again, like you said, mm -hmm. there's a lot that happened in between. Yeah. But but I, you got us to a point where, you know, you, now, you know, we can kind of unpack a little bit about some of the process around the choice, the decision to adopt. But before you, you um, give us a little bit more perspective in that area. Um, the other thing that I that I picked up on is that there was quite a bit of loss early on for you as a child. So dealing with quite a bit of grief and loss, I'm not sure how much um, you want to share on that. But sometimes when I hear that, I think it can sometimes play into, you know, how we how we do life, how we make choices for our own self. So is there anything that comes up for you um, when you think about those people, specifically your dad, um, your siblings, that, that you feel comfortable sharing? Yes, I believe with my dad, knowing how he, he had medical issues and how he passed, and what we were told, what I was told about him growing up, who in the household looked like him, who looked like her and how they did. I learned a lot more as an adult than when growing up because I was a happy-go-lucky kid. I would hear it and didn't want to hear it. Like, okay, they would tell me, well, we told you, oh, sit down and tell me now because I'm mature. I want to hear more about the family dynamics. My older sister being 18 years older, finding out she was there when I was born and I was two and a half pounds. Everyone was born at home except for my younger brother. We were all born at home. He was born in the hospital. So that was a factor as well to me. It's like, oh, and she said I was small and the doctors didn't write up a birth certificate for me at the time because he didn't think I would live. They would wrap uh, towels around an iron or hot water bottle, mason jar, and like incubate me to keep me warm. My sister told me mm. that. And so I would live. So I didn't get a birth certificate really written until I was seven. Wow. Okay. Wow. What are you thinking over there, Roz? I hear you. So what do you want to say? I'm thinking that Deborah almost didn't make it. When you described the, the incubation being two and a half pounds and the challenges of having lost other siblings, 
I was thinking about and being born at home. We almost didn't have you, Deborah. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that God saw to it that he continued your life journey yeah. and made you whole and healthy. Thank you You're welcome. for sharing that. Where, where I think we can go back to um, is when you shared about, you know, finding your husband and the two of you dating and, and then deciding to marry and then um, getting married. And, and it sounds like you said, and so please correct me if I'm wrong, sounds like you guys were intentional in the beginning that we don't have to have kids right away. Is that, is that did I hear that, that correctly? That is correct. We were, uh, he was 28 when we married, I was 23. So it was like, hmm, we wanted to party and do things like we did. I met him at, when I was 19 and uh, he was 23. It's like, okay, we, you know, then we dated and for a few years and okay, get married. At that time, it's like, okay, but yeah, we knew we wanted children. We talked about it even prior to marriage, but love being engaged. But it's like, we didn't have to do it right away. And then we mm-hmm. thought it would be easy to do, but it was not, it was challenging. And one of the things I found out going through the infertility that it wasn't, it was so many out there like me that was going through infertility. And um, that was an eye opening for me as well. Cause people go, oh, you can get married, you can get pregnant, you can have a baby. And it wasn't like that. It was, it was a challenge that we both went yeah. through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Any, any thoughts that are, that are coming up for you, Roz, there? Well, I know that infertility was an issue for your mom, and that's how she adopted you. So look at another similarity, just that your brother was born, Taya, and then you were adopted, Mm. and it was the other way around for Deborah. So I am finding another similarity with the thread of infertility being the same thread mm-hmm. oh okay, okay. What i'm finding yeah. out here right yeah and you know the and, and again i know we probably won't be able to talk too in depth in this area but i i do think that we we don't always and we're much better at it now much better at it now but i don't think we always connect that that in and of itself is grief and loss. So so then because you mentioned, you know, that in the beginning and looking at your ages, 23 and 28, yeah, I mean, it's not like we need to start having a family right away, right? Let's let's get to know each other. Let's enjoy and continue to date and just build the foundation you know, of the two of us, because we've got to be pretty sturdy before we bring a third in, right? That was it. <laughs> That's it. Right? Because a child can definitely put a pretty big imprint on the foundation. Yes, yes. So so it makes sense, right? Again, no reason to be concerned until we do say, now we really do want to try. Yes. And so um, walk us through kind of the steps of, you know, and again, this is 
as much as you feel comfortable sharing. Sitting in the classes for the adoption with couples, you don't realize how many people are wanting and how many children are out there in so many yes. different areas of their lives, stages and ages. And we learn, our, one of our last questionnaires was what type of child would you accept? Mm. And we both had to do our own assessment of it, not looking and comparing mm -hmm. and talking to each other mm -hmm. and turn it in. And they said, there's children that steal. There are children that are fire starters, children that are masturbators, children that are just, it was a list and you had to kind of like pray about it and think about, oh yes, I said I wanted a child, but what, what kind of child would you accept? And we turned everything wow. in, we had to turn it in. And then at the time we met other couples that shared their adoption process with those prospective adopted parents in a circle and talk about uh, what their processes were. One couple that stands out, they adopted a daughter, a girl, and finding out she had two other younger siblings. Once they mm -hmm. found out, they adopted them as well. Oh, and wow. it, was, it was a challenge for them, but they knew that it was needed we got really close with another couple that adopted a five and a half year old and they were like family with us as well. But we, cause we all adopted, they adopted like a few months before us and they were military. And, um, but it was like, you just, he and I would be amazed after we leave out and go home and, and talk about the day and talk about what we learned and how we answered each other's questions. Mm -hmm. Well, what did you say about this? I go, I'm not supposed to tell you. But yeah. <laughs> I think I heard a couple of things come in that, that I do want to get some clarification on. But before I do that, what, what may have um, stood out to you, Roz, and what you, what you were listening to from Deborah? I think I just appreciate so much what she shared about the adoption of one that ended up being three because of learning of other siblings. That was courageous. That was brave of that family to take that on. It seemed like without hesitation. And then the one that was older, I often think about the child who's in foster care much longer, beyond a few months old, but a few years old that could then grow into middle school age or high school age before they, um, what is it called when- Age out. Age out. Oh. And sometimes those are the children who remember being in foster care, maybe multiple foster homes. So the family that adopted someone who was almost six. I appreciated that story very much. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll have to tap into that in a future episode because there is a blended family. There are other children affected 
by adoption. And, you know, even Taya's brother and your daughter, Deborah, that could have been affected by it. So there's mm -hmm. so many layers of this story. And I'm just appreciative of what you've sh shared with us so far. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was thinking, go ahead, go ahead, Deborah. Sharing about it and even to Roz and now on this platform, it's just a, a relief to get it out to to people that, you know, didn't, that doesn't know me and know my story, just sharing and hearing another perspective. Cause a lot of people go, oh yeah, well Debbie, you, you know, you knew you were good to be that, you know, you, you took care of him, you did this, you did, but to hear a perspective from someone that did not really know us and, you know, yeah. listening to Raza's story, she didn't know me and my story like that but a lot of our friends knew me and knew us and knew our story and just like, oh yeah, yeah, you're good. You, you can do this, you got this and, and everything. So it's, it's good to hear another perspective of someone that's on the outside of us. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 I get where you're going. I get where you're going. One of the thoughts too that came up, a lot of thoughts came up, but you know, it seems like there was, a community that evolved through this process of, of you deciding to adopt. Um, I think what I'm, what I'm connecting on is that there was possibly the role of looking at how do we um, have a family on our own and, and running through the test and different things. And in the midst of that, also considering the adoption, right? Yeah. And, and so in doing that, and, and like you mentioned, um, learning about other families also uh, focused on the plan to adopt, you create this community. Um, you create a shared experience. Um, and, and, and that's needed, I think, yes. when you are in an unknown kind of, you know, environment and, and you're having people, you know, ask you so many questions, mm -hmm. right? They, they do the deepest dive into who you are. They want to know all the things, right? Because their goal in, in placement is, is again, to make sure that they're placing a child in a solid as they can be foundation mm -hmm. environment. And so you're probably being asked questions that you would never ever right. have thought of on your own, you know, but you are in this situation because it's part of just, you know, the protocol, it's yes. what is, is needed, right? Yeah, and right. And so to have the community of others to be able to talk through and and weigh in the the pros and cons of how you feel about you know all of these uh, you know questions being asked of you, it just I think it speaks to another layer of what is involved in um, making the decision to adopt a child. My my thinking is, um, but please let me know if this is correct or not. That when when the process of going through, um, you know, the home study, um, having, having uh, the different evaluations that were done, um, 
at some point when you when you you and your husband made the decision that we want to um, have the plan for adoption, there was the call, or there may have been more than one call. Can you can you tell us kind of what happened? What was maybe the time frame of when we started the journey and then when we get the call? We were told mm. originally it would be two to three years because of the processes going through once you start. We started the class within like four weeks of our application and uh, people within the class or other adopted parents said that was fast and says, well, yeah, it may take two to three years. We said, okay, if that's what it takes. We knew that's what we wanted to start doing. We shared with our families on both sides what we were going to do. Some were excited, some were like looking at us like, really, is that what you want to do? So we just, you know, we knew what we wanted to do and we continued on. It took us 18 months mm -hmm. from the time we started. And our social worker said it was a fast process, even for the county. Wow. And that we went through San Bernardino County. So he said that was a fast process because I checked in with him. He checked in with me. I went to an adoption fair. My husband was had to work, but that was very, very interesting. And it was so many children out there. I fell in love with one little boy who was 18 months old. And I put my name on the list because he was there and available and at the time, but it was Los Angeles County and my social worker was San Bernardino County. So in another county, but he sent me there because they did do cross-referencing. And, but someone else in that county, I guess, had priority on it. But I was just like, oh, I want him. I love him, you know, just from the site. But it wasn't meant to be. I said, in God's sight, it wasn't meant to be. So he just kept searching. And based on our profile, he said that that's how we were chosen by the birth parent, the birth mom. Wow. Okay. Okay. So the birth mom got to choose based who the on, adoptive parents were without names and i guess based on background um he said she was not provided names or addresses or photos it's just based on what we made on application i don't know what they submitted on it but it was the birth parents choice and reading wow. it on that day it was a birth mom, but she explained in her letters to both of us about the dad and about her and her, um, their ages. He, she was very autistic. The dad was athletic. Um, and it was her mom that made the decision for her that it would be better that she do this. So she indicated in the letters to, to him that she felt she always would love him, but the process that she chose for him 
would be better for him. Wow. So it was Another, very. Mm -hmm. Wow. The grandparents did play a huge role, even at that year. Like yes. Taya mentioned earlier in the 70s, it was like decisions were made and didn't have to consult with all the parties involved. Right. But it sounded like the grandparents or grandmother mm -hmm. made that decision for mm -hmm. her as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. So do you mind if we step into another question? How was the reunion after he found out he was adopted and meeting his birth parents? The reunion was, it was quite different. Um, when he found out and uh, one of the sisters came out, was already going to come out to Los Angeles on a work venture show. She met him at the beach. She couldn't come into this area. So they met at the Santa Monica beach uh, for the first time at the beach. So he got to meet one of the sisters first before he met the mom face to face. So meeting the mom face to face, they came to our house and everything. So I, I let them meet in the hallway and and do that and then she came she was kind of afraid she didn't know what to say or how to say it you know and everything but I we embraced we hugged and you know and and everything it could may have could have been in a different setting or you know more of a family setting but it was here at our home and everything and so we sat down at the kitchen table and talked about it and immediately the questions were prompted about additional letters. Well, why didn't you? He says, mom, didn't you? You know, I think in their heads, I was supposed to have had more information for him or more communication with her. But no, I did not supposed to. I shared with her, this is the way the process was. And, and you know, just finding out that. Uh, so we didn't dig deep. We just shared. We shared pictures. Okay. We we didn't dig too deep on the processes at that point. She and I no. talked about the processes later, and um, before she left, her and her one one other daughter came at that time, and then the dad had made reservations. He came out later, and and uh, we got to meet the dad and the and the other two siblings uh, that he had and everything, and one of them. The younger sister said she they always knew about him, so she never hid the information that they had a brother. That's what they were told. We always knew about him, and we always wanted to find him. And they, I guess they tried, and especially the dad said, my mom, because he did not know that was happening. Oh. And... He said, my mom gave me money to come to Los Angeles to try and find it because I wasn't told that that's what was happening. So please clarify, Another. are you referring to the birth father? The birth father. Okay. So, so, so you're saying that the birth father was not fully informed of what decision the birth mom was making. Making. And he wanted to, he wanted to have more influence or say as to what would happen. So he wow. said, you know, his mom gave him money to fly out and they went to Los Angeles and did what they could do to 
try and find. But because the placement was not in that county, as any other county, they didn't find anything. Mm -hmm. So when my son years, I think it was 2011, wanted to, he talked to us about wanting to find his birth parents. And we go, sure. He said, what information besides the letters do you have? We said, we have the adoption papers, the record. We gave him the case number. We said, we can help you. He said, okay. He didn't want to dig deep at the time. He thought he did. But um, we gave him the case number. My husband made the call to find out what department he could call. And he did. And he comes back and he says, well, the number isn't on there anymore. And they said both parties would have to want to open the file before a search can be done. Yeah. Let me pause us there because there's there's a lot of, of layers that I feel are coming out. One of the layers that, that I'm hearing is the perspective of... Um, the birth mom and the birth father and how, again, I think the, I'm going to reference the episode of talking to about our fathers. Um, and, and there is, there's this perspective that oftentimes the birth mom and birth father, when a child is conceived, the, sometimes the birth father isn't informed, right? And there, and, and again, it could be for different reasons, right? Um, but, but what we forget about, and, and so where my brain is going with this again, is how much, and we've touched on this in the, in the different emotions that come up through adoption, grief and loss is a theme here. That's what's coming up for me. Mm -hmm. And what I mean in layering this in is, because there is the, the loss of relinquishment, right? It, it's the hardest decision, I believe, for any birth mother, birth parents to make, right, is to relinquish their child. Um, and, and, and again, there is that yielding, I believe, that you did, Roz, with your parents when we discussed that the decision was made for you. There was a yielding for your son's birth parents as well but doesn't mean that anger and, and all the other emotions don't play out in that, right? But I'm hearing that there was a desire for them to have a connection with their son, right? And then, and then I, what I'm also hearing as you bring in the, the age, which I think we wanna clarify. So your son, you determined, I heard you say he was 21, 22 when he decided to um, search, but I don't think we clarify what age was he actually told that he was adopted? He was 18 okay. and a half. 18 and a half, he had already started junior college. Okay. And um, prior to that, a full summer after graduation, I kept wanting to, but yeah, he was 18 and a half. And yeah. I felt that he'd reached the age of, like, I, he could handle it. Mm -hmm. I don't believe, and I still don't believe prior to that, it would have been 
I know they may not handle it at any age, but I don't believe in my heart that it would have been very much receptive for him to handle it prior to that age. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a delicate, that's mm -hmm. a delicate balance. The reason I wanted to connect that is because based on the age that he found out, I, I don't know this, but I'm suspecting and wondering that there was a gap for him probably for a reason um, in his search. And I, and sometimes that gap can be, as I connect back to myself as an adoptee, it, it is challenging sometimes to search, even if your parent can present as open to manage those different emotions of how do I manage, you know, the, the desire or the curiosity even of what is this that I have out here, this birth family, right? But also I have the family that raised me. And so I'm just, you know, I'm not sure if your son expressed any of those emotions to you, but I do think sometimes, right, that can play into, you know, why there can be a gap in when I learn about it and then when I actually do go on my search. Right. And for you, Roz, do you have a closing question? Well, you know, Deborah, you are magnificent. <laughs> I see a blend of God weaving himself into your life story and you've passed on to your children in little ways. There's a little piece of you here, a little piece of you there, and your children, both children, must appreciate that piece of you as well as your husband. So let me just ask this. What superpower do you have or wish you had as a mother? Um, I think I stated, poof, let it go away. Here's my situation. <laughs> okay, Jeannie in a bottle. I wish this could go this direction. I wish this could go that direction and poof, rub the bottle and it goes away. So that that's what I wish. But I do pray and I ask God to give me direction. It doesn't always happen right away, but I have to pray hard about things. It's just not a genie in a bottle type. You know, you've got like, oh, I gotta, this this got to be done fast in a hurry. But I know there's challenges along the way. Yeah, definitely. So, so I I appreciate your your openness and and your vulnerability in sharing on so many different levels um, with us today. Uh, it has been truly, truly a pleasure to have you as our first guest and exploring the perspective of being an adoptive mom and and all the twists and turns. Um, that came along the way in, in, in raising your son, in raising your daughter. So thank you so very much um, for, for, for just, you know, doing the journey with us today. Thank you. Yeah. I, I do want to say, because the time frame hasn't been as long as you two connected. So I believe there's still challenges that he goes through um, with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me let me just say as we wrap up that 
it is it is definitely a journey and everyone's journey is going to have its own story mm-hmm. line, right mm-hmm. and I can definitely connect and I know that you know our podcast hasn't shared every aspect mm-hmm. of our reunion um, but much of what you're sharing resonates and connects um, it is definitely a process it's mm-hmm. definitely a process and I yeah. think the most important thing um, is that you continue to be a safe landing place for him that he can always return to so that in the midst of all the decisions, Mm -hmm. different emotions, he knows, hey, this is where I can land. This is where I can experience all of this and know that I'm still, you know, accepted. Yes. So yeah. Yes. So what I'm, we'll do with I'm that? I'm still mom. I'm yes. still mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Super mom. Yes. <laughs> well done. Oh my gosh, we've interviewed our first guest. So what did you think, Roz? Oh, Taya, I love Deborah, my friend. She shared an amazing story about being an adoptive mom and what her and her husband experienced through that adoption process. Never before have I heard such detail and the depth of the process of adopting. And it reminded me of what your parents had to go through when they adopted you. Brilliant episode. I hope everyone listens to it more than once to capture what Deborah's story is all about. Yes, yes. I know that one of the things that I kept kind of reiterating was this theme that I picked up on about grief and loss, right? Because as she walked us through the timeline of her childhood up until present, right, there was that sense of there had been some sadness and there had been some loss along the way. But, you know, through it all, I also felt that her story was filled with hope and love. She is resilient and determined to show up well for her family. You know, I really enjoyed stepping into this new groove with you, Roz. And, you know, I look forward to having more guests on our podcast. What do you think? Oh, yes. It, it's enlightening to hear other people's perspective. And our listeners have even asked us, are you going to invite special guests or specialists in a certain field of whether it's adoption or outside of adoption? So I'm so glad we had that experience with Deborah and looking forward to many more guests in our podcast. Yay! Season two! (laughs) So everyone, we hope that you enjoyed our show today and be sure to check back for our next episode on August the 16th. Until then, this is Taya and Roz, where we talk all things adoption and reunion, but with a twist. (music) 